Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on WGWG. This is Noel T. Manning II, and uh, each week uh, we have a great time here talking movies, whether it's reviewing films, uh, interviewing filmmakers, or just lovers of film. Uh, we just have a heck of a lot of fun chatting about cinema. And I got to tell you, I'm very, very excited today. Wyatt Smith uh, is our guest here on uh, this edition of Cinema Scene. Uh, Wyatt Smith has a long history of being involved in, uh, in filmmaking. Uh, he's, he's done music videos. He's done music documentaries. He's done feature films, been involved in feature films like Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Nine, uh, Wow, Doctor Strange, Mary Poppins Returns, uh, and many, many more, including uh, Thor, The Dark World. It just kind of goes on and on. Uh, Wyatt, hey, man, welcome, uh, welcome, and thanks for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Wyatt, you're, you know, when I look at your, your body of work, there are tons of music-related uh, documentaries and, and films you've been involved in, and this kind of ties into Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, you served as editor uh, on this piece. Um, talk about your love of music and how you got involved in, in music and, uh, and editing and music and, uh, and film. Um, well, I was fortunate to grow up in a very musical household. My father's a musician, you know, a clarinet player and a drummer. Um, and, you know, so records and music just in every room of the house was always playing. Um, so I, I had a, a deep love for music and it also, you know, I learned a lot of musical theater theory and just the concept of how music is made and constructed. And, um, you know, I foolishly kind of went to a completely different route. I was actually, when I went to college, I was trying to pursue medicine. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, but I realized, um, that really, you know, once I got into to college, I was like, you know what, I really wanted to be in art school and I really wanted to be in creative arts. And um, so I, I left school and went to work because um, there was a, a recording studio, a television studio being built by Sony Music um, on the west side of New York City. And um, so I kind of started in there while they were building it, being taught by all the engineers who were wiring it and and, and learning all the concepts of video and all that. And that studio was where we did tons of music work. I mean, right. aside from cutting the music videos and shooting them, we used to shoot a lot of concerts, All like a lot of MTV Unplugged was done there. And I was just steeped in music that I loved. And I learned that with editing, um, it, it, it's, it's a whole new level of storytelling to music. Um, you know, when you're choosing to, you know, to go close for a lyric or where you're discovering a musical phrase that a band's playing and, and cutting to that and, and giving that its moment and its place and, and all this storytelling to music. And I fell in love with that, and it really helped me fall in love with editing. Did that easily help you transition into narrative storytelling from a film standpoint as well because of that background you had? Well, in some respects. I mean, the nice thing was, is, you know, I worked as hard as I could and I'd worked up a name for myself and had quite a career cutting concerts and, and music specials and music docs and that's how I met Rob Marshall okay. you know, who I've met, and that was about 12 years ago he was doing a television special for Tony Bennett for NBC and um, I had worked for the Bennett family ever since the Tony Bennett Unplugged and, um, and I had worked in, in network television before and so it was kind of a meeting of worlds because Rob had his whole film team from Chicago and at that point, he'd also made Memoirs of a Geisha. And, but I came with understanding how a network schedule works and yeah. formatting, and as well as just exclusively working in multi-camera concerts. 
So um, I was put forward by the Bennett family to Rob, and, and we got on great, and it was a really beautiful special, and it was very well received. And Rob said, oh, well, you know, next time I make a movie, I'm going to bring you along, which I was like, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't really believe that. It's going to go far fetched. But sure enough, his next feature was the musical Nine. Yes. And, um, you know, we talked to, in the spring before about possibly being involved somewhere in post. And then the week before he started shooting, he called me and he's like, yeah, just get, get to England. Wow. Find your way to London. And, wow. um, I think 15 months later, I found myself at home and suddenly I had a bit of a film career. <laughs> also, thanks in part, um, you know, to uh, to Claire Simpson, who who gave me a co-editing credit of the film because she was the, the lead editor yeah. of that film. Yeah. But so narrative work was never, um, I, it was never, it was beyond anything I dreamed of. I, I love movies, but I never imagined I'd work on them. But um, I guess through my music work, I struck a relationship with Rob, and he kind of gave me this gift of being able to work in movies. Yeah, the the, the relationships um, and the opportunities that we take advantage of when they're presented to us, all those things kind of help pave the way for what's next, whatever that what next what what next is. And I, when I talk to uh, to students who are studying. Uh, in college, and 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 they're you know they're in this time where they're trying to figure out what do they want to do, what do they love doing, and how do I merge those two? Um, I I spend time talking to them. Hey, when you get opportunities, listen to what those opportunities are. You know, actively listen and, and take advantage of them because you never know when they when they may or may not come again. Right, and the thing is, just look, it's a, it's a lot of risk and it is scary. I mean, you know, suddenly, I, it's, you know, I was in London for five and a half months on almost three days' notice, and it's wow, and that's scary when you're not, you know, yeah. between you know, spending suddenly, you know, leaving my home and my wife for a period of time and family and friends, and and also knowing that you know the, the experience. I like, I certainly know how to edit, but I, you know knowing technically how to do something doesn't mean creatively, you know, how yes. to edit a narrative film. Yes. And, you know, but the thing is, is if you're scared, that's good. Yeah. And, and if those opportunities knock, like take the risk, take the jump, because, uh, that's, you know, it's an industry you always hear. It's this, this business is based on breaks. Right. And I'm so fortunate to have gotten one. Um, but I also can see where I, I might've missed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I had, balked on that phone call for just a moment, right. the opportunity would have gone by. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So so you you took advantage of that opportunity with the film Nine, and that was uh, almost a decade ago, I guess. Talk mm-hmm. about what happened next. Did did things unfold in a way that you could have predicted or not after after working on Nine? Um, well, the good thing is, is um, while the, the film wasn't necessarily well received, um, although I'm very proud of that film, um, my relationship with Rob, um, you know, started to grow from there and, um, and having the experience of that and just knowing all the parts of how a film works, which again, you know, the Jim Clark, uh, the late Jim Clark and Claire Simpson guided me so well through that. Um, I felt confident of, you know, or more confident to do it again. And thankfully, you know, we were right towards the end of nine and Rob was already starting to develop uh, on Stranger Tides, which was the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film. So that was already starting to become a conversation. So I kind of took a month or two off to get some perspective on what right. had just happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. Such a major change. Um, while also now 
being able to be a little bit more prepared, knowing that I'd probably be away from home for a while. And that film, I was actually away the entire film because we shot in Hawaii, we shot in London, and then we edited all in L.A. And I live in New York, so that was, wow. you know, that was a year away. Yeah. But the nice thing was, is um, you know, again, the, the relationship with Rob was developing, and, and I had that on the horizon. So I was, thankfully, I kind of had my next film right as I was finishing my first. And, and what was that process like from a different standpoint? Definitely you were away more, and, and it was a, a year-long process of being there, uh, as you mentioned. But Nine, with its elements of music, and then going to this franchise that uh, has become had become a legendary franchise at that time, and uh, a lot of expectations uh, for for audiences as well. So, from an editor's standpoint, how did you approach those two things differently? Because they were different animals. Um, they were quite different. I mean, and it, it, you know, and the interesting thing with Pirates is you're kind of a guest in Jerry Bruckheimer's house, um, which <laughs> yeah. is a very nice house. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Jerry was a wonderful, welcoming. He loved Rob. Um, I got on very well with him, and so we were we were really welcomed into kind of this process of the way that, that he makes films. But another key to Pirates was, you know, that was a heavy visual effects film. Yes, and yes. And I've always had uh, an interest in visual effects, and and so I knew a lot of what was going on, not to mention we shot the film in 3D, like actually natively filmed it in stereo, which a lot of films hadn't done and still haven't done, as opposed to converting a film when it's right. finished. So. I bought a ton of books and read them cover to cover um, by the time I got to start on the film. And it was funny because I actually knew way more than a lot of people who were new to the process because I'd, I'd studied it. Um, but the great thing on that film is also it's the collaborations. And on that film, I collaborated with David Brenner, who is an excellent editor. Um, he was one of Oliver Stone's editors for years. Um, he's now cutting the new Avatar films. Um, wow. And he also cut a lot of films for Roland Emmerich, you know, these great, huge, yeah. epic disaster movies. Yes, and yes. David's visual effects experience was fantastic because he was help, able to help to guide me in some of the cuts. Like, we'd have mermaids in there, and, you know, I would show him a cut, and he'd be like, yeah, you might want to add a few more frames there, even though it's just an empty frame of water. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, the tail's got to go through. And I was like, right. Wow, wow. <laughs> you know, so it was great to, you know, you have to learn from the people around you um, and I, as best as possible. And I and I do really enjoy co-editing, um, although I also enjoy trying to take all that on myself. Um, but David was an excellent guide and mentor as well. And I'm very grateful for all he taught me in terms of using visual effects of storytelling, which is something I've carried forward into Marvel and and, and other studios, and even on Mary Poppins, which has a heavy VFX element. One of the things I keep hearing you talk about is you are recognizing those who helped you along the way, those mentors, um, those compatriots that are there with you and, and giving you tips and helping you. How important is that for you to, to have that collaboration and then to be able to maybe now pass some of those things on to others who are, are, are just starting or, or maybe a little green? Um, it's hugely important. And I am trying to give back. I mean, I still have so much to learn and, and so much to grow in, in what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm trying to give back in every way I can. Um, but the collaborations are everything. And, and one of the things that's been great to have um, to keep working in Rob Marshall's world as often as I have, I, as much as I enjoy the perspective of when I go work for other directors and studios and, 
and non-musicals and those experiences. When I'm back with Rob, he really has created such a family. Yeah. And it's an incredibly talented family, be it uh, John Meyer, the production designer, Dion Beebe, cinematographer, Peter King, hair and makeup, um, Colleen Atwood uh, for costumes, although we have Sandy Powell on Mary Poppins Returns. What's great is the more you have these familiar faces and the more you're able to talk to them on set or in pre-production and the more you're able to start to look at their craft through their eyes, um, it can help your decision-making. I mean, I'm always still focused in my job on overall story, performance, and then pace. But in places where the decisions get difficult, I can look at the other crafts and what I'm learning from the people around me and seeing, well, okay, well, if I'm not sure between A and B and neither one's really wrong, but I know that A is much better for production, right. much better for camera, yeah. then I can lean into that decision. Um, so the collaborations are, are huge. Having someone to discuss to work with is massive. And uh, even with the film I'm on now, which is a, a much smaller film for focus, um, being able to even just to talk to my, you know, talking to my assistants about the cuts, having them in on our screenings and being able to have somebody I can just talk about the story with and, and the feelings with, it's it's huge. Trying to create something by yourself, you need you don't have perspective. Right, right. Well, you, you've worked with Rob on, is it three or four films or more now? Um, I think this is four films and the Tony Bennett project. Right, right. Project. Yep. So, so after, you know, when you work with someone for that long and, and they get to know you and, and, and your strengths and weaknesses and you get to know theirs, you, you talk about the family aspect of working with Rob and, and his crew and his team. Um, that's got to make each time you come back together uh, a bit, even if it's a different kind of project, it's got to make it easier because there is that connection. Do you do you find that, and do you sense that's true? Yes, there's 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 definitely a shorthand, yeah. and um, it's had a huge effect on you know my work with Rob Ben in the cutting room. Um, I'm able to see his intention in the footage much more clearly, right, than I than I would have ten years ago. Yeah, and um, his taste for performance. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to start to build the cuts much more in his sensibility. And it saves us a lot of times because rather, you know, Rob has a very, very clear vision and he's incredibly focused. So the first thing I want to do is take that movie that's in his head that he sees so clearly and get it on screen. There's still going to be tons of work to do, but as quickly as possible, I just want him to see it, what he's been seeing, you know, dreaming of. Um, and now I'm able to get that cut onto a screen much faster than I used to just because we've, we have a shared taste now and, and, and I know what he likes. Um, and then we can do the real work of, you know, looking at any story issues and writing it in. Right. Um, but yeah, the, so the short, the shorthands are, are, are fantastic, but at the same time, the nervousness um, that comes with working with new people is also great, and I love to balance the two. I, I okay. really love the perspectives of working with others. You know, you really have bounced around with the different types of things you've been able to work on, and you've been a part of the the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, with uh, at least a couple of films, uh, Dark uh, Thor of the Dark World and then Doctor Strange. Talk about mm-hmm. how that happened for you and uh, maybe the, the daunting task of, of taking on uh, a franchise, uh, you know, a, a well, a superheroes, I mean, that's all that people are talking about now. And so to be a part of that and to now have your name attached to that, it's got to be pretty uh, pretty amazing. 
Um, yeah, I have to say, there's a bit of a dream come true there. I mean, <laughs> I was a comic book yes. junkie as a child. Yeah. I still have 5,000 comic books oh, at home. Wow. All cataloged and boarded and bagged. And yeah. I mean, it was just an obsession for me when I was young. So um, I was fortunate in that um, I kind of took a general meeting with um, Victoria Alonso um, at Marvel uh, when I happen to be in California and, you know, it's basically pleading my case as a geek who just knows what these comic books are about and how much I dream of this stuff right. and can't believe that they were making it a reality on the screen. Um, so when they needed another editor, because Dan Leventhal was the main editor of The Dark World, when they did, but they needed someone to, to, to help support him. And uh, so I interviewed for it and thankfully I was, I was brought in. And uh, I really got on with that team. They're so creative. Um, it's just an amazing environment where it's one thing to work with a film and have to, you know, work within the footage that you have and the confines of what the film is. But at Marvel, it's definitely dream bigger. Yes. And if you're looking at something, they're like, but wouldn't it be crazy if like this happened right now? And they're like, oh, I love that. Let's just do that. <laughs> and you're like, but we have to shoot that. And we have to, and they're like, great. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah. It's in the movie. It's going to happen. Wow. And, um, you know, so there's, there's a bit of a playground there. Oh, and, wow. um, also learning from Kevin Feige, who really is the kind of keeper of the keys there. Um, he has such an incredible filmmaking sense. Um, and he's a great collaborator. He's in the room with you while you're cutting. And, um, and, and he supports just any idea possible, just constantly keep making the movie better, make it funnier. Um, but also, you know, anything that's just there for spectacle that isn't there to serve a story or make you feel something, get it out of the movie. Yeah. You know, I've definitely learned a lot from them. But it, but it is it is like being in a little, you know, special magic club, you know. You, you still are a comic fan, uh, it sounds like. And uh, to be able to, mm -hmm. to be involved in this playground and, not, and, as you say, kind of create some of the things yourself and create what now others are uh, appreciating What's it like for you to go back and see that on the big screen and knowing that, wow, okay, I was a part of that now? Um, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. At the same time, it's it's also funny to me that, you know, I, I you know, and, and unfortunately it's so sad that Stanley is now no longer with us, but, um, you know, this was, again, these, these stories were so important to me and these characters, and it's incredible to see how many people would go to see a movie like Infinity Wars and right. just hear the shock and panic at the end of that film. Yes. But at the same time, I'm sitting there and I'm like, does this mean even with all the success of the studio, nobody's reading these comics? You wow. don't know that this is coming? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> kind of amazing right. to me. Yeah. <laughs> but you... yeah, I feel very fortunate and, and to look at the credits on those films, you know, to, you know, tens of thousands of yes. people are, you know, and real craftsmen are employed on those films. And it's great to look through the credits of all of them and, and some people I've been fortunate enough to work with or, or have heard about. Um, I love that. that. That's one of the things. I, I spoke with um, with Matt Johnson earlier this week, uh, who you worked with oh, on great. Mary Poppins. He and I spoke earlier. And we were talking about that very thing about the amount of people it takes to make a film and w encouraging audiences to sit through the credits and just take it in and realize that, you know, the, the final product that you're seeing, you're sitting in a seat and you're, you're sitting there for an hour and a half, two and a half hours, whatever. But it wouldn't happen were it not for each of these names. And each of these names has an important role. And um, I always try to encourage people, stay through the credits. Don't, don't worry about is there a, you know, a post-credit scene or a mid-credit scene. Just sit through the credits and appreciate 
who these people are. And so I, I just want to, as a, as a fan of film and as an understander of someone who understands the amount of work and the amount of uh, human resources it takes, um, I just want to commend all of you for your work uh, in making these. Yeah, uh, these I, and, and I'm with you. I mean, it, it really it does take an army and um, and a very creative one. Yeah. Well, as you work on films that are that are heavy in the CGI world, um, like like Thor: Dark World or, or Doctor Strange. Um, and then you transition to Mary Poppins Returns, which is a different kind. Uh, sure, it mixes with with some kind of animation and things that aren't there, but it was a different approach, right? Yes. Well, it, it's a much more organic approach. Um, you know, there's. It's also part of uh, maintaining the nostalgia of Mary Poppins. I mean. At the end of the film, when Mary, you know, opens the umbrella and takes off and she's lifted, there's a little bit of a wiry feel to that. But the fact is, is it's not Emily on a green screen. There's a massive crane in a park that lifts her off the ground and high up into the air. And it just makes it all more real. Yeah. Um, while also kind of visually, you know, you have to paint out the wires and all that stuff. But it just, it also harkens to kind of a bit of the nostalgia for the style in which, you know, the original film was made. Um, as opposed to it just being like a takeover with a 3D character where everything, you know, the light wraps around perfectly and all this kind of perfection. Um, those little kind of organic flaws are great. But also at the end of the film, when everybody's leaving the ground and yes. being raised on balloons, yeah, they were all actually being lifted off the ground wow. in that park um, for real. And you see how, like for the kids, I mean, you see the, the expressions on their face you know, I think you struggle to get a moment like that against a green screen yeah. in a stage. Um, so it's, you know, that organic feel, which is something Rob pushes for, because he really wants all the reactions to be so genuine, um, is, it's, it's a tremendous part of that film. Of course, there are sequences like Underwater, where, right. yes, then we're, we're going into right. kind of a heavy modern visual effects process. Um, and even the animated world, you know, again, like all the compositing, and all the multiplaning is done in a much more modern digital way. But the fact is, is it's all hand-drawn characters yeah. and hand-drawn environments. And it's, it's such an interesting blending of modern and old right. to create something that's actually completely fresh. Yeah, and, and that's when um, I, I watched the movie twice. And before we went on the air, you were saying you've seen it a few more times than that <laughs> and, uh, in, the, in the various uh, stages. Yeah. How many times have you seen it in full at this point? In, in full, like, just watching the entire movie without stopping, um, I think I, I finished at 73 times. Wow. Um, wow. You know, over the course of a film, over the yeah. course of a film, it, it, it varies, yeah. you know, greatly. We did have a long post-process. Um, you know, most of those screenings are really towards the end, where once the creative work yeah. is done, it's a lot of technical passes of watching the film, different mixed formats, different visual formats. Um, but I do find that that's, you know, Poppins is very special, and I really get drawn into it every time. It, it never feels repetitive or slow or boring to me, and I'm still amazed that Ben Wishaw can make me cry almost every time oh, yeah. I've seen the film. Yeah, I feel the same way. I've seen it, as I said, I've only seen it twice, but each time it's gotten better, and each time my reaction has been, my reaction to the characters, to the songs, to every element of it has been more intense, and it is difficult yeah. It's difficult for that to happen in a film, um, especially one that's got the baggage coming in, because you, 
you know, I mean, the original Mary Poppins, a masterpiece on so many different levels. Right. And here we are with a, a sequel to it 50 plus years later. And to me, when I heard about this, I'm like, okay, I'm excited, but I'm also, there's this trepidation of, okay, how is, is this going to be able to work? And I got to tell you, it nailed it. And you talk about it being fresh. It was fresh and it was nostalgia at the same time. It found a way to make both happen. And, it, and, is, so, and you know, and, and that was really Rob's yeah. dream for this film. I mean, he, 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 the first film he ever saw in a theater was Mary Poppins yeah. when he was four years old. He told me that over 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, long before this was ever even a possibility for him. Um, so knowing how the hallowed ground we were treading upon, we were being as careful as possible, but also just making sure that the messages are pure. And that's one of the things that's so great about that film is it's it's not a political film. Right. It's just it has very simple messages about you know loving the people around you yes. and when times are bad, looking to a positive side. I mean, there's a lyric in us that Lin Manuel sings that sums it up so well for me, which is um, when troubles are incessant, simply be more incandescent. And it, I yeah. think that's just such a beautiful phrase. And it's just a simple thing. Just just be a better person. Yes. You know, try to rise above at all times. And, and, and I love that that's coming through to audiences. It really is. Audiences are, are really just holding on to this and embracing this. And uh, this is my favorite family film of the year. I've, I've told everybody that, that I get a chance to. I say, see this movie. See it with a family. If, if you don't have a family, you watch it alone. It's one of those films that... Um, that can speak on so many different levels. And uh, it, it is, as you mentioned, it's a very, very much a message film, but it's a message film that I think can hit anybody, anywhere, no matter who you are and what you're experiencing. And absolutely love Mary yeah. Poppins Returns. Really, really do. Oh, thank you, definitely. As you are taking uh, time away, uh, when, you, when you get a chance to have a little bit of a break, uh, are there certain films that you find yourself enjoying just for the love of, uh, of watching and escaping to film? Everything. I am I'm an absurd movie watcher. Um, I can I can go out to the movies three nights a week. Um, I watch any and all shapes of films. Um, learn from every one of them. Um, even when I'm in the depths of working on a film, it's important for me to watch other movies because it reminds me what's so great about this. I love my job, um, so I'm, I take inspiration for any film, whether I think it's good or bad. I learn from them all. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm a movie addict. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, our guest today right here on Cinema Scene, Wyatt Smith. Uh, he is the uh, editor for, for numerous projects, the most recent project, Mary Poppins Returns, uh, well worth your time in checking out. Uh, Wyatt, do uh, you have any uh, final thoughts you want to share with our audience about, about cinema, about uh, your love of film or your love of comics uh, that, that maybe... Well, uh, again, it's, I, I just encourage um, everyone as much as possible. I know times are changing, but I really uh, encourage people to go see movies in the theaters. There's something about that collective experience, um, you know, like going to a concert where you just feel people around you and you're all enjoying the same thing and you're all hating the same thing. That collective experience is huge. And um, I know that we're driving a lot towards watching movies at home, but I still just wish that people would get out to the theaters as much as possible um, and, you know, see these in, in all their kind of big screen intent. And, and that is ultimately the purpose of, of when you create this art form. It is for that shared experience, and it is designed and has been designed since the beginning to, to be able to watch it uh, on a big screen with an audience. And so I, I echo that, I echo that uh, a thousand times. 
Um, our guest today, we're really, really thankful again. Wyatt Smith, uh, really appreciate you uh, being our guest right here on Cinema Scene on WG. Uh, WG and Thank you um, so much. for those listening, uh, you can always send us uh, an email at uh, info at wgwg.org and you can follow us at Cinema Scene USA on Twitter. Till next time, that is a wrap.